Play it, play it, play it, play it. We are gay like a fruit. We are looking like a snack. You are listening to Fruit Snacks. Hey guys, before we get into this week's episode, we just wanted to let you know we had a little technical difficulty with the microphones this week. So our special guest might sound a little further from the microphone than Shane does, but we're totally aware of it and we will fix it for next week's episode. In the meantime, enjoy. Boyfriend catches me on his own on a different day. (laughs) (laughs) And we've started recording. Oh, okay. (laughs) So for anybody listening out there, if you have a boyfriend... You can come to this man in this podcast. Hey. As long as your boyfriend doesn't catch him. Um, <laughs> with that being said, hey guys, I'm Shane. Don't introduce yourself yet. <laughs> and this week, Brian is not here, but I do have somebody. I almost said somebody great. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna you boost you great. up like that. <laughs> somebody excellent. That's but why. we do have somebody else here, and his name is. I'm Carlos. Mm. I was going to say that girl. <laughs> <laughs> Quick backstory. We went to Taco Bell last night and we like ordered on the little machines, like the little kiosks and you have to put your name in so that they know who to call out for. And Carlos worked on that girl. So that fat bitch's order was ready. And all you hear is that girl. Me. <laughs> <laughs> you should have written fat girl. Oh my gosh. No, I'm snatched. So she is I would snatched. not be fat girl. Anyways... <laughs> Um, I'm Shane. I'm that girl. <laughs> and you are listening to Fruit Snacks. Yes. So before we jump into the episode, um, we are just going to insert a little clip of Brian finishing up his Fruit Fly saga. So here is this week's Fruit Fly. Fruit Fly, don't bother me. Fruit Fly, don't bother me. Okay, so this is the final conclusion of this one flight that was awful for Saga for the generations. So this is the last installment of this four-part series. <laughs> it's like the new Twilight. Literally. So we had the passenger who didn't get their first choice for their meal. We had the passenger who didn't want anyone to use the restroom up at first class because they paid for a first class ticket. And then we had the passenger who said, you missed me, even though we didn't. So to round off this episode, or this Fruit Fly saga, um, the last installment is called App Download. So this this lady... Called what? App Download. Oh, right, right, right. So most domestic carriers, we use GoGo in-flight. Uh-huh. Internet and GoGo Entertainment. And what it is, is an app that you download that's completely free. And once you have the app, when you get past 10,000 feet in the air, you can turn on that Wi-Fi and it'll connect to the Wi-Fi and you can stream movies that mm-hmm. each airline offers. I know that Delta does it, American does it, United does it, Alaska does it, Virgin did it, um, a ton of different yeah. things. Because like, what people are doing is moving away from in-seat screens mm-hmm. because technology moves so quick, it adds extra weight to the plane, um, you need headphones for it, the jacks break, the touch, the screens become less responsive. So yeah. if people just bring their own phone with their own app, you can even get it on your computer. You you have your own form of listening to how you want to if you have Bluetooth, la di da da So anyways, before the flight took off, I knew it was going to be a long flight. So I was like, hey, everyone, just let you know while we have your attention on the ground, take this time now to download the GoGo in-flight app, yeah. blah, 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 blah. You're, you get access to over 700 TVs and movies, this and that. The app has more um, options than 
the in-flight entertainment. So mm. on my airline, we have like these little tablets that we hand out. Uh-huh. You get them for free in first class, and then you pay $10 for the tablet in main cabin. But because they have to be preloaded, you can't put as many things because it's not streaming. Oh. So it's not like grabbing it from a cloud. Right. So all that there's on there is like, um, I think like maybe 10 movies okay. and then like 10 TV shows and then maybe a few documentaries and a couple games. Um, so I said this twice, right? I get to this lady in first class, and she already is giving me all these issues. When I'm taking her order... Um, she goes, I want water. And I was like, okay. She's like, actually, I want sparkling water. And I was like, cool, okay. She's like, but don't, what is it poured out of? Uh, and I was like, excuse me? She's like, is it out of plastic? And I was like, no, you get it in a glass. And she's like, oh, you guys you guys don't serve it in plastic? I'm like, no, you're in first class. Like, we use glassware yeah. up here. Like, everything comes in a glass. Yeah. And she's like, so it's not out of plastic. And I was like, again, no, it's glassware. And she's like, but what are you pouring it out of? Because I see this, this water is out of a bottle. <laughs> And I was like, it's out of a can. She's like, you pour sparkling water out of a can? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, like soda. Like, it's out of a can. And she's like, can I see the can? Oh, my God. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, sure. I'm already impatient. So I show her the can. She's like, okay, I want that. (laughs) And I was like, any ice with it? Because she's being particular, so, you know, whatever. And she's like, no, I don't want ice. And I was like, okay, whatever. And And then the husband's, like, next to her and was like, you see what I have to deal with? And I was like, ooh. And everyone was looking at them like this fucking idiot. Yeah. And so then he goes, I want Bloody Mary, two olives. Like starts saying all this shit. And oh I was like, God. bitch, we're on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> like we don't have all of that. And I know I mentioned the olive thing earlier, but it was the same passenger. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? And I'm like, you're just like her. I didn't say <laughs> that, but I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. So I finally like helped them out. And um, she was like, just bring me the can. And I like forgot. So I poured it in a cup in a glass and I gave it to her and she's like I said bring me the can so then I take the glass back and I give her the can she's like I need a glass for it and I was like I thought you said you didn't want it in a glass she's like no I want to pour it in a glass so (laughs) I literally poured her her drink gave it to her she gave it back to me I poured it out gave her the same can the same glass for her to pour it back in there (laughs) yeah this is what I'm saying. This flight was fucking stupid, right? And so that was just, like, the start of it of with these passengers. Oh but God. I'm already, like, over it because, yeah. you know, I yeah. was experiencing all these other fucking idiots. And so then, um, what's it called? She, uh, I come back because she, instead of, like, as I'm passing, she could stop me. She doesn't stop me. She dings her flight, flight attendant call button oh every God. time she needs something. So she dings it, and I come back, and then she asks for a can. She dings it. I come back. I need a glass. She dings it. Like, bitch, ask for that shit yeah, while I'm standing all together. there. Granted, I keep passing. You don't want shit when I pass you, but then right when I'm trying to do something, you want to ding me. So then um, we give her the in-flight tablet, right? Uh-huh. And I give her the tablet. And she's like, oh, I need headphones. We ask if you need headphones when we give you the tablet, right? So we give it to her, and she's like, oh, I have headphones. What? But they were Bluetooth. And so she didn't know how to connect her Bluetooth headphones to it. So that's what I was like, oh, well, that's why we give you headphones and you didn't want them. But I could get them for you. She's uh-huh. like, yeah, I'll need headphones. So then she's like, cool. ding. I come back. She's like, this isn't working. She, like, clicked on a movie and tried to exit. And it said, like, something on there that was like, da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. If you just read it, you just hit close and then continue. Yeah. She's like, this isn't working. I need a new one. So I bring her a new one. Same thing. She's like, this one's broken, too. So I give her a new one. And I, at the third one, I was like, what are you doing wrong? Like, what yeah. is it that you're doing wrong? So I show her how to use it. And she's like, I'm trying to watch, like, old movies. And I was like, what do you mean old movies? She's like, all I see is you guys just have, like, the most recent blockbuster yeah. movies. But I want to watch, like, old movie, old movies. And I was like, oh, well, all we have on there is what we have on there. Um, I was like, 
the old movies, like, you would want to download the app. Did you download the app? And she's like, what app? I didn't download the app. And I was like, yeah, well, that's why we have you download it before we get into the air because there's, like, over 700 titles on that. Yeah. So there's, like, older movies as well as current movies. And she's like, well, I heard you say that twice, but I didn't think anything of it. I didn't want to oh take God. the time to download it. And I was like, okay. I don't know what you want me to do at this right. point, but that's your only option. That's is that? And she's idiot. like, well, I don't want to watch these movies. So, and I was like, okay, then you don't have to watch movies. Yeah. Literally, that's what I said. I was like, you don't have to watch movies. And she's just like, oh, and looks at me. And I was like, I don't know what to do for you. I was like, you could try to download the app while we're in the air. In most cases, it can't because you don't have enough bandwidth to like download the app. Um, but you can try. Other than that, I don't know. I was like, yeah. maybe there's documentaries on there that's more your taste, but I have no clue. And she got mad at me because she didn't download the app, even though she heard me twice. say it twice. Oh, my God. Twice. Twice. I always wonder how people make it to the airplane. Same. Like, how do you survive everything? How did you get this far in life? <laughs> and so then even like during dinner, she wanted everything that we offered. Didn't touch a single thing. She was like, she, I put down the soup. She's like, what kind of soup is this? I was like, it's tomato bisque. And she's like, is it good? I was like, I honestly haven't tried it. I was like, if you, I was like, try it. If you don't like it, you don't have to eat it. Like, I'm not offended. Yeah. <laughs> and she tried it. She's like, no, I can't eat that. And I was like, okay. She's like, what else? And I was like, you well. You should have told her it came out of plastic. I know, right? <laughs> well, it did. Like, not the soup, but the, um, the salad has like a plastic covering oh, on yeah. it. And the butter has a plastic covering. <laughs> but then I like go, after I like, after she said that plastic conversation when I was taking drink uh-huh. orders, I go to the next side and the guy was like, what the fuck? Like whispering to me, like the passenger. I love when passengers are in on it. Yes. And he's yeah. like, dude, her glasses are plastic. Her jewelry is plastic. And I was like, I saw. I was like, I literally, all I <laughs> do is, all I do is smile and nod. Mm-hmm. Like what else do you, I, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we're whispering this to each other. I was like, yep, yeah, it's just my job to smile and nod. I just try to help facilitate what people need. And clearly she needs help. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm trying to be help for her. I'm like, bitch, someone needs a nurse because nurses help people. <laughs> nurse, bitch, you need a nurse. But that is the end of my four port, four, 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 port, four part saga. That's why mid flight, I was like, I need to get out of here. So I went to the back and I was like talking to the girls. I was like, can't do this and i told them they're like are you okay i was like no i'm not good but it's all right i'm gonna go jump off the plane when i get up there i was like y'all have fun for the rest of the flight wherever i land hopefully it's somewhere nice (laughs) but a mess yes Are you comfortable over there? Um, no. <laughs> but you don't care, so that's I fine. don't. I don't care at all, actually. Okay, so let's get to introducing you, okay. so that the fans know who you are. Because mm-hmm. um, I think I've talked about you before in this podcast, but now you're actually on it, so I you get here. to speak for yourself, and it's not just me shit talking. <laughs> um, let's start with your ASL. I am 27. Mm-hmm. I am male. Mm-hmm. I am homosexual, yes. male, and I live in Washington Heights, mm. but I'm originally from Orlando, Florida. Right, and for all the listeners, Washington Heights is in uh, Manhattan, so New York City, um, and we met, obviously, flying. Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. Speak of fruit flies. Um, were you lead on that trip, or was I? I think you I were. I was lead. Yeah. I was the lead. I remember, like, 
on our first layover, I was like, oh, we won't be friends. Because <laughs> first of all, I was like, he's younger than me. Second of all, I was like, he didn't come to the gym. Me. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, remember, um, three of us were like, oh, we'll go to the gym. And you were like, y'all meet you guys down there. <laughs> to this day, crews are like, oh, we're going to go to the gym. I was like, y'all yeah, are going to go to the gym. But now you're more blunt about it. And you're like, I'm not going. But, not going but originally you were like, nice. And you were like, I'll meet you guys down there. And then I was like, okay, well, I'll probably like unpack, hang out for a sec. So maybe like 30 minutes. And that gym was so small. We wouldn't have been able to work out together mm-hmm. anyways. But I remember I went down and the front desk was like, oh, did you leave behind your work phone? <laughs> and I was like, no, that's not mine. Mine is charging upstairs. And I was like, oh, you know what? That's probably the leads. Yours. Mm-hmm. I was like, but he's coming out of the gym in a minute. So I'll, I'll let him know to come pick it up. I got through a whole hour and 15 minute workout and you never showed up. No. I was probably like a season where I thought maybe like, oh, maybe I can like, do the gym. <laughs> like maybe I want to like... Tone it up a little bit. Yeah, no. It's like, no, I'm already toned The girl. gym is never in season for you. <laughs> it's never. <laughs> I will, like, disappear if I try to work out, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's little. Um, okay, so you're from Orlando originally. Yes. But you haven't always lived in Orlando and New York. No. So at what age did you move up, move out of Orlando? Um, I moved out at 23. 23. So mm-hmm. at this point, you're an adult. But what was your experience like growing up in Orlando? So, um, I moved a ton when I lived in Orlando. Yeah. Um, come from like single mom, Mm -hmm. just trying to make it work, Mm -hmm. but financially just insecure with like everything. Mm -hmm. And And how many were there of you? It was just me and my sister, but my sister also had, um, two kids. Okay. And we have a big age gap, older sister. She's 11 years older. Okay. Um, so... I would say from the age of five to the age of 18, I moved maybe 22 times. What? Yeah. So I was... that hard? Yeah, it was. Um, Because I almost feel like at a point you just kind of become accustomed to it. Yeah, you do. Um, I was just like, I was very mama's boy, like very like supporting my mom Uh for whatever she's trying to do to keep a roof over her head. Yeah. And, um, so stuff was always packed in boxes, Mm -hmm. um, or we're like cramped in a room together Yeah. or we're staying at a family member's house or a friend's Mm -hmm. house, or we've lived in this apartment for X amount of months, (laughs) like getting evicted, like going somewhere else, packing stuff up, back in storage. So, I don't know. It's very, like, humble beginnings kind of deal where um, it made me appreciate what I had and Mm -hmm. the space that I had. Like, there was ever a moment where, like, I had my own room or something like that. Mm -hmm. I was, like, next level. Like, oh, my goodness, this is the greatest Like, yeah. Yeah. So, it it was kind of rough also to, like schools like hopping from school to school mm. being oh because you're moving kid. in and out of districts yeah oh fuck yeah one year i think it's eighth grade i went to four different middle schools <gasps> just in eighth grade alone just in eighth grade alone mm-hmm. oh my god yeah so i was like the new kid 
Um, it worked out one time because I was doing bad in one of my classes and I lost my grade and they're like, oh, we're just going to give you an A. Oh. <laughs> like, okay. I thought you were going to be like, one time I was just sleeping around a lot. So like, once I made it through everybody, <laughs> I was like, great, girl. It starts young for people. <laughs> and it's Orlando. So like. Yeah. Um, we definitely put the whore in Orlando. Um, <laughs> and now she takes Ubers everywhere. Yeah. yeah. But my mom was really great. Yeah. Um, um, but when I went to high school, my mom. Um, she said that we might have to move around a lot, but mm-hmm. she's going to keep me in the same high school for all four okay. years. And she, um, was true to her word on that. And she kept me in the same high school. It was just hard because starting off in like ninth grade, everybody knows everybody from middle school. Mm-hmm. And I came in like new kid, not yeah. knowing anybody. Yeah. I was super lonely, super quiet, like... And your dad and all of this, had you ever had no, any? Um, my dad, um, my dad moved, or him and my mom got a divorce when I was like four years old. Okay. Um, and my mom won full custody of me. Like mm. they had joint custody in the beginning and I would like okay. fly back and forth. He was living in North Carolina. Okay. And, um. My family was in Orlando. He was in the army and stuff too. So oh, okay. Like, I was born on an army base in Georgia. Got it. Yeah. And some little army brat. But they got a divorce and they had joint custody for a bit. Uh-huh. And I would come back from North Carolina with bruises on me. <gasps> and my mom... Oh my god, I just got the chills. <laughs> Wait, I don't even think I knew this. Yeah. My mom like took photos and uh, was like... Basically, he was taking the divorce out on me and, like, kind of, like, physically abusing me. You know, childhood traumas. (laughs) Yeah. That's, like, literally trauma, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is where the gayness stems from. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. That's not where the gayness stems from. It's from your sexual preferences. Also that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wait, that's wild. So... Do you have recollection of this? Um, I think I remember one time. Okay. Like, don't... you don't have to go into detail, yeah. but I just, like, because you're so young, mm-hmm. but because that is so traumatic, I just... Uh... Yeah, I don't really have any memories of him, yeah. minus home videos that we had. Oh, my gosh. Because some videos were a thing back then. Yeah. And my family was that. Growing up, did your mom try to keep him out of your life where she wouldn't bad talk him, but she just wouldn't talk about him at all? Yeah. Or, okay. It was very much that. Yeah. So, after the divorce... He kind of just disappeared. Mm. Like, all his family were, like, super shady. And, like, my mom was trying to get her child support and stuff. Yeah. And he wasn't paying it. Mm. And they would just say he they didn't know where he was. And, um... And his family was also in Orlando? Uh, no, they were in Texas. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he just stopped being my life ever since then. And we had not heard from him or, like, talked to him since. Um, wow. yeah, so my mom was really struggling, like, yeah, just being that single mom, and that's, like, where a lot of that is from. Sure. Um. Good on her for, like, surviving through that, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, regardless of how many times you moved, she mm-hmm. had a roof over your head. Absolutely. You know? Um, that takes a lot of determination and, and courage and bravery yeah, to get through. For sure. She was working, like, two, three jobs, like, crazy yeah. hours. My grandmother was always taking care of me. Uh-huh. Um, but I always admire my mom for, like, she did everything to just make sure that I was safe and Mm -hmm. that I had food, like, in my body and, like, roof over my head and clothes on me. Yeah. She was 
that mom. And so have you now in your adult life had any communication with your dad? Um, yeah. So with the technological advances Uh and stuff, um, I'm actually named after my father completely. I'm Mm. a junior. Oh. Um, so we have the same name and it is one of the most basic names. (laughs) (laughs) So like every Hispanic is named this (laughs) and it's so hard to find, it was hard to like try to find my dad. Sure. Track him down. Yeah. Uh Um, That's like for a, that's like a white guy trying to find a John Smith. Very that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or Jane Doe, like whoever. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, I would try to like search him up like on Google or Mm. Facebook and try to find him. And what age did you start trying to like, um, Nancy drew this? I Nancy drew every time around Father's Day. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. So like as a kid, yeah. this started. Okay. Well, when the internet. Came sure. Out, yeah, yeah. When it was stuff. accessible. Yeah, when I had Facebook. Wow. It's like probably when I started. Okay. And I was like, I don't know, because I didn't know if, like if he was alive still, mm-hmm. like anything. Yeah. There was just no, no communication, no right, like pop ups with him. And I'm assuming no communication with <clears throat> any of his family at this point. Um, no, okay. not at all. I, at 22, I found him. Yeah. Whoa. On Facebook. Cause I had a feeling he was in El Paso, Texas. Oh. And so I searched through all of the names. There would have to be a ton there as there well. There were so many. Oh my God. Very Mexican name guys. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not the easiest to find. Yeah. And, um, I found him. I knew it was him when I saw him. I, like, screenshot it, and I sent it to my sister first. And I was like, this is my dad, isn't it? Because <laughs> me and my sister have different dads. I have different dads. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And but she's because she's older, she obviously has a better, like, yeah. recollection of... Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was, like, teenager. Okay. Like, her, her later teens yeah. when um, they, like, divorced and everything. Yeah. So um, she's like, yeah, that's him for sure. And in, he's... In the photo, he's with his, I'm assuming his wife or girlfriend, and their son. Um, oh my gosh. And she looked, like, similar to me, so I was like, probably, like, my little brother or something. So, um... <laughs> you said she looked similar to me. <laughs> you better gay label your little brother. <laughs> Clean. <laughs> she, looks at, she looked the same as me. <laughs> She's not, not as cute, but... <laughs> oh my gosh. Baby. But, like, but... Even knowing that this is just an assumption at this point, mm-hmm. to even see that photo as the f- first thing that you see of this man who's been absent from your life. Mm-hmm. He got that too. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, so <laughs> you send it to your sister and she like... She confirms. She confirms yeah. So I wasn't going to send it to my mom because I think she would just get upset. Yeah. Anytime I ever brought up anything about my dad, mm-hmm. um, she'd get upset. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, I think, until 16... That she showed me, like, the photos from the custody battle and, like, told me, like, that whole story. Wow. Um, And that was a lot for her. So, since then, I just had not mentioned anything. How did that resonate with you when she showed you? Um, It was a very shocking moment for Uh, me. Um, I asked because it must be weird. Like, uh, you would almost be looking at yourself from an outside perspective. mm -hmm. Because at this point, you're 16 when she shows you. Yeah. These photos are from when you're a kid. And if you don't really have a recollection of it... You obviously, your your brain can register that it's you that you're looking at, mm. but that that trauma that came with that, yeah, I don't know, would be as upfront. Yeah, you know what I mean. 
So you, okay, so now, like, jumping forward again. So mm-hmm. you send it to your sister, she confirms it, yes. and do you reach out to him? Do you request, like, friend request him? Like, um, what was your next I move? did friend request him. Okay. And then I wrote a whole thing to him. Okay. Um, like a whole, but, like, private message. Yeah. Basically, I said, um, hey, this is your son. Uh-huh. Um, just wanted to reach out to you and let you know that... Um, I forgive you, um, for whatever happened in the past. Um, I don't know your side of the story. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you've been holding on to from it this entire time. Um, but just know that I do forgive you. And if you would like the opportunity to get to know me, then I think I've always just been a different person in my family because I was so younger mm-hmm. than everybody else. Yeah. Like, me and my sister are 11 years apart. But all of my cousins were around my sister's age. Oh, so it okay. almost felt like growing up like an only child yeah. because of the huge age gap. Mm-hmm. And so I was just a huge observer of mm-hmm. like everyone and all their actions and their like adult life choices and things that they were doing. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't say that like my family um, were like the best examples in certain ways. Mm. Um, for decisions that they were just making. Sure. Um, like, a lot of them had kids when they were really younger, and that was something mm-hmm. that, like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Like, no, not to, like, shade anybody. that. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Kid young. It happens. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I don't want that for me, or, like, some of them got into drug dealing, uh, and I was like, ooh, that's not it. Mm-hmm. I've got asthma, so. <laughs> <laughs> I was scared. <laughs> Such a gay kid. I can't do that. I have asthma. Always. <laughs> that's why she didn't do any sports. Oh, my God. Stop. I wish I had that excuse to not do sports. Mm-hmm. Um, so, wait, did he respond to you? Um, no, he didn't respond to me. Um but it was a bit of closure for me sure. um, to have said that. And to, to, to have said your piece. Yeah. To give know him, that you gave him the opportunity. Yeah. He's alive. Um, and um, yeah, I definitely presented that to him. Okay. And he can read it, take it for what it is, um, and just be the person that he is. Okay. And I'm going to be the person that I am. Yeah. So, but I don't know. You started bringing yourself to church. Yeah, I started going to church, and that really helped me a lot, I guess, because it gave me a community to kind of, mm-hmm. like, learn more about myself and express myself. It's yeah. very welcoming, very, like, open. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I started going to this, like, Christian church. They had a huge, like, youth group. Okay. About, like, 300, which wow. is actually pretty big. That's a it, lot for just youth? Yeah, it was a mega oh. church. Okay. Um, so <laughs> mega church. Mega church. Oh, and then she got to do a big. Only in America, girl. Do we have <laughs> mega churches? Mega churches, girl. Um, yeah, this church to this day is like fifteen thousand. It's like congregation. It's like a Joel Osteen. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. wow. Like you, when you ever go in Orlando, you can see it like on the highway. I know what one you're talking about. <laughs> Wait, is this the one with the theme park? Uh, well, they do. What is like, that? Holy Land. No, not Holy Land. Oh. <laughs> That's like a whole other thing. That's what I drive. That's like an experience. Oh, yeah. it's, it's literally called the Holy Land experience. But I, <laughs> but I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. I know what church you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. it's huge. Oh, wow. It looks like an airport. Like yeah. it's just massive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I went to that church for a while, got involved in like student leadership, had people like who are like my leaders and mm-hmm. stuff. Also, fun fact. 
<laughs> my leader from church has like moved here and he is now working at the gay bar. No way. <laughs> the bartender girl. What gay bar? Uh, boxers. Uh, Washington Heights or Hell's Kitchen? Chelsea. Chelsea. Mm-hmm. I forget there's three. Yeah. Shut up. Yes. And was that just like a total moment of like, oh my God, like you both recognize each other? Um, or did you? Well, I had my, I've always had my suspicions. Okay. Um, but he, he was a great person in my life. Mm. Like he truly was like a leader in my life. And which I think subconsciously was probably because I think we resonate on different frequencies as gay people. Yes. And even if we're not out or we don't even recognize our sexuality ourselves, Mm -hmm. I think we still again, resonate with one another before other people just because of that underlying tone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for me, it was um, having someone that was a male figure in my life that yeah. was showing me, like, male affection sure. and, like, giving me some guidance mm-hmm. and, like, really sitting and spending time with me and talking with me. Yeah. And um, how much older is he than you? He is, I, would, I think he's three or four years older than me. Oh, so he's very much like a peer. Yeah. Because he's, like, my age, so it's, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. okay. Absolutely. I'm thinking, like, 10 years older or something. Oh, no. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they try to keep, like, the leaders, like, younger, I so like it's that. just, like, more relatable. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. Less There's preachy. definitely, like, older ones that sure. come off more, like, a dad figure, though, yeah, yeah, yeah. versus, like, okay. a leader, someone that kind of gets you. Yeah. Knows what's going on, came out of high school, and, right. like, knows about, like, what you're going to be going through yeah. and all that. Um, but for me, like not having a dad in my life, like, growing up, uh-huh. um, just left a lot of, I don't know, like, asterisks, mm. and just things that, I don't know, I felt uncomfortable to talk with my mom about. Sure. Um, I was raised by women, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm sitting there usually watching them put on their makeup, watching them, like, put on their dresses for going out, uh-huh. and... Like, not having any examples. Like, I don't know how a car works. Right. (laughs) Right. I don't know how to change oil or anything like that, (laughs) girl. Change a tire. Yeah. Um, But then also, I just, like, I didn't know how to shave and, Mm -hmm. like, how to, like... We have to teach ourselves a lot of things. Absolutely. So... Because I, like, not to cut you off, but mm -hmm. I think I did have a father figure growing up, like, when I was in high school. But we... It wasn't until I was an adult that we knew how to at least better connect with one another. Yeah. So, like, I did teach myself how to shave, mm-hmm. even with a dad in the house. Like, I yeah. I took that upon myself because I, I didn't feel comfortable enough within our relationship to approach him about how to shave or yeah. to ask him about things that deal with cars and mechanics. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, I just don't really have an interest in it. But, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the, the lifestyle things like shaving, mm-hmm. I feel gay people often take on and and kind of work through absolutely you know it was that it was also like i didn't feel comfortable using urinals i didn't Mm. feel comfortable changing in front of like other men other men yeah just because i don't know i just didn't have experience like sure with male figures in my life or male people in my life. Well, most of my friends were girls. Um, God, how far you've come. How <laughs> <laughs> you're like, this, do you need help holding that at the urinal? <laughs> stripping my clothes Just off at the gay bar. <laughs> giving a whole ass show. Yes. Literally like my whole Literally a whole out. show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely come a long way. But yeah, that's how I used to be. Very insecure. Mm-hmm. Um, had a lot of like body issues. Yeah. Like, 
Um, now I'm body confident. Like I embrace the fact that I'm so skinny, but mm-hmm. before like getting made fun of and like being called like a twig or like a stick yeah. and like being called fag and like mm-hmm. not knowing if I really am or not, yeah. like those words just resonating in your head mm-hmm. and it usually come from other guys. Right. Like a lot of straight people that would just, well, especially in like, I know I harp on Florida a lot, but, like, also you're in Florida. Mm-hmm. Like, that, at the end of the day, is the South. Mm-hmm. And that's not a life... <laughs> yes, girl! The South does not claim Florida. Well, that's the swamp... <laughs> we just call ourselves... True, girls. true. Um, no, yeah, because I, I experienced that in Chicago, mm-hmm. but that's the Midwest. Like, I can't imagine what it was like. Yeah. How intensified it was in a, in a place like Orlando, you know? Yeah. It... I don't know. But I love, like, now I feel like you've taken the negatives and, like, flipped them. Like, the only time I've ever heard you say skinny in in describing yourself is, like, when you quote Brittany and say, like, skinny is a needle. Oh, yes. She's skinny but, as like, a needle. Skinny is a needle. <laughs> but, like, instead of skinny, you're like, I'm snatched. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so you take this word that has been used as, like, a derogative tor- term towards you, mm-hmm. and you're like... You could say skinny, but I'm snatched, bitch. Absolutely. I'm, I'm pulled together. Mm-hmm. I'm pulled right the fuck up. Absolutely. Um, and you use it to your your confidence. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's great. So uh, going back in time, so you're 23 is when you lived in Orlando until? Or 22. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're 23, and what's your next step in life? So um, this was like I – Finally was working, like, a job that was financially secure. In Orlando. In Orlando. Okay. Like, had a car, um, had my roommates in the place that I was, like, living, and things were working out. Um, also going to church, like, full-time. Okay. Um, so, at this point, you've become, like, for lack of better words, really religious. Where it's, yeah. it's definitely a structure within your life. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, definitely the Christian... Like, I was definitely, like, a huge, what they called a pillared in the, mil- in the oh, ministry. Oh, okay. So, I was just, like, a go-to person all the time. I helped run a lot of things sure. and uh, programs and mm-hmm. classes and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. I was very involved. Yeah. Um, and I decided that I wanted to do uh, some missionary work and mm-hmm. I wanted to go do something abroad, but also do something outside of my church. Yeah. So because of it being a mega church, people get really comfortable right, right. and they stay there, yeah. get brainwashed. And you're like, this is all I need to do. And uh-huh. Just like be here all the time. Yeah. Serve, serve, serve in the church. Yeah. And, but I, I don't know, I'm different. And I was like, I want to go see the world mm-hmm. and I want to like get out of Orlando and do something for myself. Yeah. Um, that I can have a lot of experience and uh, change Mm -hmm. to see what's out there. So I signed up to do this program called the World Race. Okay. And basically it was an 11-month missionary program to 11 different countries, and you spend one month in each country. And you travel with, like, a big group, and you're broken up into smaller teams, and you're partnered with different ministries and organizations okay and that's cool yeah it's non-denominational so it's people from all kinds of different oh, i love that backgrounds yeah yeah so it was kind of a big shock for me sure um coming into that because i came from probably a more conservative church mm. where we didn't drink we didn't cuss we didn't watch read our movies wow um, yeah and all of this for you at this point is self-regulated 
Because you don't have, like, a mom taking you every week to where she's, like, making sure that, you know, Monday through Saturday you're following these rules. Like, this is you overlooking yourself in your life being, like, I'm going to do this because I'm choosing to do it. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. My church was, like, very hardcore about it. Like, they make you sign, like, a contract (gasps) and stuff. Girl, you didn't tell me you were Scientologist. No, girl. I'm not Scientology. (laughs) But they sign it for if you're on the leadership. Like, oh, okay. you have to sign this kind of accountability contract. Wow. That, like, um, leadership, you're not going to do these things yeah. because you're supposed to be an example. Yeah. Um, so, there's a lot that just goes uh-huh. with all of that. Yeah. And the drama of that. Um, so, you go from something like that to this, like, global organization that takes people from all over and all different walks and yeah. paths of life. So, this was my first time, like, being with, like, I guess, other people that have faith and they drink and they curse Uh and it's okay. Yeah. And so, um, I went with a group of 29 people Uh and we went all across Asia. So my route, I went from China, Mongolia, Japan, Nepal, India, Malaysia, Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, the Philippines and ended in Indonesia. Bitch, this was your first time out of Orlando? Yeah. And you went to Asia? Yeah. Well, this, well, yeah, it was literally my first time. I'd only been to, like, other cities for these, like, church competition stuff that okay. I did. And I did, I drove up to Georgia for training to meet all the people that I was... Okay, like, but that's but, still, like, because I'm thinking, like, Europe can be a culture shock, but, like, you straight up, up and left Orlando and flew out to Asia for how long? Uh, a year, basically. That is wild. Yeah, girl, I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> that place in Malcolm the tears were streaming. I was like, what am I doing? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh but my god. She raised all her monies to go and do it. Yes. Um, How expensive was that? It's around like $16,000. Okay. Yeah, which is it, it's great. It covered your lodging, transportation. Um, your food, mm-hmm. uh, your necessities, your visas, like Damn. everything. It was like kind of all budgeted out. Yeah, and yeah. Anything extra that you wanted to do. is on you. Yeah, it was on you. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it definitely worked. Um, and it wasn't like always like go, go preach kind of mm. thing. It was a lot of learning about the cultures of those countries okay. and, uh, different month to month. Like my first month in China, I worked in a special needs orphanage mm. and it was a place in China when you are, when you have special needs, you're not put on the list, uh, for orphans. Wow. Uh, you're, you're not, these are just a communist country and they're very controlling. About. You're forgotten about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a lot of people would be left at and like the doorstep there's a, I think a movie called The Box or something like that and there's oh. a box that they would put the children in um, and they would take them in for families that didn't have the means or could take care of a special needs wow. child and so this organization is very known by hearsay okay like so yeah, I was gonna say they were kind of like a black market orphanage yeah it's word of mouth they don't promote themselves they don't put themselves out there wow um, so you can only hear by word of mouth um, I think TLC's like little people uh-huh. or whatever adopted somebody from Oh really? Them. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So we were working with the different nurses and the special needs kids and then we were also like tutoring um the foreigners and mm. their children. Mm-hmm. Like 
helping them with their their studies and wow. stuff like that and then also doing like cultural exchanges uh-huh that's cool <laughs> yeah it was cool like there were some of the kids we were tutoring were like those crazy rich chinese people because uh-huh. we were in a remote village where it was dirty people walking around with no shoes peeing like on the roads oh like trash everywhere like skinned animals <gasps> like all it was very very and you're staying shopping. here as well yeah, we stayed at the orphanage. Uh, we had, like, okay. uh, a little house where we had bunk beds, and we stayed there. Okay. Um, but for that whole year, I backpacked with one huge hiking backpack and wow. one little book bag, and that was it. <laughs> wow. So that was, like, one like one month was that in China. Another okay. one, I'm teaching English and university students and, like, talking with them. Cool. Getting to know them. Another month, doing construction work. Uh, the craziest was probably Nepal, where uh-huh. I went to... Um, the Tatopani region, okay. which is a part of the Himalayas, where the massive earthquake happened in Nepal. Oh. If you remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got to see firsthand the devastation. Like, it was like... National... It had happened before you got there? Yeah. Okay. Like months before we okay. got there. We got there in December, and it had happened in May. Wow. Um, and it was so crazy to see these massive boulders and rock slides over these like hospitals and schools houses completely cut in half and all these people are now living in these like metal shacks that oh are God. like so small and it's because like their whole life is there yeah so they only cleared like a dirt road for vehicles to get through mm-hmm. but underneath for like thousands of uncovered bodies because they don't have the means and the tools to be able they're they're a poor country right. they can't do everything to like re- do recovery and like all that like everything was piled on the streets like in nepal from the oh earthquake God. and just these piles of dust and debris and life just continued to move on and like that's like the life. So very like eye-opening stuff yeah. like that too. So what did you do there? In Nepal? Yeah. So it was Christmas time okay. and we got taken by a local. And they celebrate Christmas there? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to go do Nepali Christmas carols with them. Cute. And dance. Uh, kind of. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we would hike a different mountain each day oh. on these paths that weren't really paths. And carrying our luggage stuff with us and hiking up to these mountains, exhausted, then dancing for hours, getting fed food from them. That was like not the greatest oh, food. No. That was like having you shit up a whole storm. Oh no. Girl, and, that's been me this week. Oh man. You're <laughs> 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 so nasty. <laughs> um, how many are there of you doing there this? There was 29 of us. That's a lot of people. Yeah. So, but we were only in, like, small teams of, like, seven people. Okay. So we would enter and exit the countries together okay. and then be in these, like, smaller like, teams in different parts of the silences, city working yeah. with, like, different groups. Huh. Yeah. But Nepal is definitely, like, the craziest. So we were doing that. And they just wanted us to go, like, love on the people. Yeah. Like, because they've gone through so much devastation. I was going to say, I'm sure, like, you guys just being there was so... Absolutely. Was so big for them. Yeah. I was... I was the only Hispanic person. <laughs> I was the only Hispanic guy. It was and all white majority people. were white. Okay. Yeah, everybody was like white. So when we would go through Nepal, everyone would be like, "Oh, like, good morning, good morning!" Like practicing their English to all the white people. Then to get to me, they're like, "Namaste." And I was <gasps> like, "No, bitch, I'm American too." <laughs> <laughs> that 
better namaste than like hola. Mm-hmm. But it was actually I felt a little bit safer because then people walking around with machetes and stuff are like looking at the white people. Like, I'm a Rabio. Come on, namaste. Namaste. They're like that bitch doesn't have anything in there. Mm-hmm. It was like this bitch looks poor, anyways. It's <laughs> wearing oh the same gosh. clothes over and over again. Um, okay, so you do this for a year. A year. And then, um, then I, my life is crazy. Yeah, your life is wild. <laughs> my life is so wild. Um, while I was in Malaysia, that was like halfway through the trip, uh-huh. I had met, uh, this family that was in Kuala Lumpur okay. and they were basically this crazy rich Asian family that owned all these restaurants, hotels, businesses, like everything. They were this billionaire family. Okay. So like literally the movie Crazy Rich Asians. Literally that. Like I did not watch it until it was on the planes and (laughs) I was like, wow, this is my life. Yeah. (laughs) For two years. Um, Yeah. So I met them and went to one of their events Uh and hung out with them. They talked and they're like, let's hang out again another time. And we just like really hit it off. Yeah. And before I left, they're like, what are you doing after you're done with this program? I was like, I don't really know yet. They're like, well, um, maybe you can come back here and work for us. And I was like, what do you want me to do? Right. (laughs) Like, I'm not qualified for (laughs) what you want. Um, They're like, well, we want you to do events, do some content managing for us and MC at some of our events. And I was like, "Uh, okay, I'll consider it. So kept doing the program. Um, stayed in contact with them and messaged them back and forth, sent some emails and uh-huh. then uh, applied and interviewed with them. Um, and they were going to have me back. So finished that program, went back to America for like a month and a half and did a contract out there in Malaysia for two years. Um, doing events, content managing, and yeah. seeing as the token American for this crazy rich Asian family. <laughs> and what was your life like? Where were you living? Like, what was your daily schedule? Um, yeah, so I, um, I lived right outside the city center of Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Okay. So Malaysia is like the melting pot of... Asia. You go to China, it's all Chinese people. Thailand, all Thai people. But okay. Malaysia, it's a mixture of Indian Malaysians, Chinese Malaysians, mm. um, Filipino Malaysians, okay. like all kinds of different people. Um, so you get kind of a mix. And Kuala Lumpur is like the NYC of like Southeast Asia. Cute. Yeah. Chic. So huge, tall buildings. Yeah. Like, is this the place? Wait, where am I thinking of? Where are they in Crazy Rich Asians? Singapore. So Singapore used to be a part of Malaysia. It's right underneath. Oh, I see. Nobody knows where Malaysia is. I know all you listeners don't know where Malaysia is. Yeah, no. Literally, all I can picture in my head when you say Malaysia Mm -hmm. is like... (laughs) Those those Singapore (laughs) towers... No, so those are actually Malaysian towers. They're the giant twin towers. Those are... But the thing with like the, the, the platform on top of them? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Unless you're thinking of the giant hotel Marina Bay Sands. Pretty sure that's what I'm thinking of. That's what you're thinking of. The giant pool. So when you say Malaysia, that's what I picture in my head. Malaysia. Okay. Uh, Malaysia is known for having the biggest twin towers in the world. Oh. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're called the Patronus Towers. I should have just let you believe that that's what I was believing. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I got put in this condo on the 36th floor of this building. They built everything up like crazy high. Okay. Um, and I 
worked for this family, but was also working with all these British people. Malaysia mm-hmm. is also colonized by the UK. Let okay. me educate you. Um, mm-hmm. So they majority speak English as well. Huh. And so I didn't have to learn their language when I came there. Wow. Like, I picked up some things. Sure. Just to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, keep it cute. I mean, you're there for two years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they hired me mostly to speak English. Oh, and they wanted me to speak at their events because they prefer American English over... British? Yeah. English? Because really? they feel like it's more chopped up. Because the way messy. that they talk. Also that. It's uh-huh. very Drag Race yeah, UK yeah. where you need the subtitles. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. Yeah. So I worked for them. Um, but it was different because I wasn't doing like my church work anymore mm. and stuff. And is that hard for you? Um, I think I needed the transition out of it. Okay. I think definitely going to all those different countries changed me and the experiences uh-huh. that I was having. I was drinking and I was like cursing right. and I was like, okay with my life and okay that like I am an adult and I make my own decisions. Uh huh. And I was just really finding myself, right. like, out there in the experience. It's this phrase, in leaving, there's finding. Mm. So I felt like I was leaving almost kind of like an old part of me, mm-hmm. an old mindset and mentality behind to discover so much more. Especially sure. meeting all of these different people across the world, seeing the way that they were raised and grown mm-hmm. up in and what they had. Like, yeah. Made me feel like my humble beginnings were like nothing uh-huh. to what they had. Right. And it really did like humble me yeah. to just like, you know what? There's so much more life out there and more to experience sure. and more to like be. So at what point amongst all of this in your year of missionary work yeah. and your two years of living in Malaysia, do you start coming into your own as a gay man? Um, so... I would say when I moved to Malaysia. Okay. Yeah, definitely when I moved into Malaysia. Okay. um, Because I was just very much on my own. Mm -hmm. And um, I was in a stable place. Okay. So Malaysia was... I mean, at this point, the girlfriend's long over, but, like, you... You're recognizing that, like... Right. Mm -hmm. You're recognizing that you are attracted to men. Yeah. Okay. I... No, not the girlfriend. (laughs) Yeah. Hasn't Emily Blunt that whole situation? She left the post for the bus. (laughs) She was gone girl. Gone girl. (laughs) Um, yeah, so I, I always knew deep down Mm -hmm. I was gay, but being in church for a really long time repressed that Uh because I was taught it's a struggle Mm -hmm. and I talked to my leaders and stuff about like my homosexuality and my attraction. Oh, okay. Um, So you've been vocal about it before. Yeah. Okay. But I was told we can pray that away and, um, that it is a struggle uh-huh. And you can have a relationship with a woman and you can have all that. But it terrified me. Yeah. It literally terrified me because I was afraid of intimacy with a woman mm. that I knew deep down I'm attracted to men. And if I get a girlfriend and I lead them down this whole path because, you know, sex till marriage. Uh-huh. Um... And we finally get to the point of marriage and I don't know if I can have sex with this person uh-huh. or if I'm going to be able to like perform and do all that right. or I'm going to cheat on them yeah. for like a man because right. that's who I want to be with. Uh-huh. But I did also want like children uh-huh. and I know it's also like what my family wanted for me. Okay. My family was very vocal about their homophobia. Mm. 
Um, so that also like pushed me to like try to mm -hmm. be hetero and being Christian and like live out that life. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until I went through all those experiences across the world, lived in Malaysia, that I started to explore my sexuality a bit. So I like downloaded the apps. Uh huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and started to meet guys while I was out there, but it was complicated. Because I lived in Malaysia, mm -hmm. and Malaysia is one of the biggest Muslim countries in the world. Uh, so it was scary because uh -huh. I couldn't really get together with the locals because it is like forbidden, it's like wow. Shira law, and they can be killed. <laughs> They can... I mean, were you protected in any way? Like, if you had been discovered or found out, like, could you be punished the way that they could have been punished? I could be punished for if I did anything with a, like, indigenous, like, Malaysian person. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Because they are born... And, like, indigenous Malaysian people are born Muslim. Mm. Like, they have a card that says, like, they are Muslim. Oh. And they have to abide by, like, all the laws and stuff. Wow. Like, if you're Chinese Malaysian or, like, Indian Malaysian, you can, uh -huh. like, get away with that. But if you are pure Malaysian, you are Muslim. And, wow. like, you have to abide by, like, their laws and stuff. Um, so, my boss told me I always had to be careful about anything that I said. So, your boss knew? My, my boss knew. Okay. He was from the UK. Okay. Um, so, I could, like, talk to him about it. And I had another friend that knew. Mm. Um, they were kind of, like, the person I confided in. Okay. Um, but I had to be careful because anything that I could be saying out in public, um, could be listened by somebody right. sitting and they could turn me over to like the authorities or the government Oh my gosh! and people were getting snatched for ransom and like all kinds of stuff. Not like it's snatched. Yeah. They're no, not snatched like me. <laughs> um, yeah, their government is very corrupt and it's very like pay the police to like not give you a ticket or to not raid your house or to like not do this and Whoa. that so yeah raids would happen like at any moment too um so yeah there's just a lot of craziness even though it was like cool to like live abroad to work for this crazy rich asian family uh -huh. um but like it was difficult exploring my sexuality so yeah um, being the only Hispanic person <laughs> in Southeast Asia, um, kind of played to my benefits a little bit with, uh, people from Europe and people from mm -hmm. Australia that were coming to visit right. Malaysia. Um, maybe they didn't want to get with the Asian people because mm -hmm. <laughs> of their preferences or whatever in a shade. Yeah. Um, and they saw the one Hispanic person that uh -huh. was there. And so I would, um hook up with these... You better be the golden slut of Malaysia. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> oh, she, she learned how to bottom. <laughs> she was getting her experiences yes. on. But it was really great because there would be these beautiful European, I mean, like, Australian men yes. looking like models. And it was a huge confident booster for me uh -huh. that I could, like, get with these guys because I was like, I always felt like, oh, I'm too skinny or, like, you really are into mm -hmm. me. And they were like, yeah. I love it. <laughs> Maybe also because I looked super twinky and like I was just <laughs> young and out there. Um, but it definitely helped me explore my sexuality. And okay. I would travel outside of Malaysia to countries where I could go and do more too as mm. well. 
there was like one kind of gay bar it was only like on a Saturday nights in Malaysia and there was like a lot of rules <laughs> a like, lot of rules within the gay bar yeah um you're like well mo- like people in Malaysia they're not allowed to serve alcohol to like the indigenous Muslim Malaysian God. people so there was but alcohol. like how do you know I mean at the they end of the cards. day they have it, IDs like on their IDs it says it's that. on their oh I see okay mm-hmm. I thought you meant like they have IDs and then they have cards I didn't realize it was like one and the same yeah I see yeah okay. so but some of them can get away with it sure with like paying or knowing mm-hmm. the the people there but then they also have to be careful because the police can right. raid at any moment there had been whole bars shut down because Damn. like a Muslim was like discovered wow I know. It's so crazy. You don't think about these things. Like, no. this is the world. No. Like, I would feel so bad to some of these guys that I would, like, talk to because I was like, this is their reality. Yeah. They can't live out their truth. And mm-hmm. they can't, like, live out who they want to be because yeah. of the country that they're trapped in. That's why they all want to go to America where yeah. they feel like they have more freedom. I mean, yeah, look at us. We were wilding out until 3 a.m. last night. Basically, yeah. <laughs> like, that's our life. Like, our, yeah. our regular. It's our frugality. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to go and do that. But wow. people don't have that over there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you do that for two years, then you come back here and you come back to Orlando. Uh, yeah. So I didn't come back home to visit because it was so expensive to fly back Mm. and they were actually offering me another contract Mm. to do two years in Japan and open up a ski lodge for them. Um, what's a ski lodge? A ski lodge. Ski lodge. lodge. Okay. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. But I was like, bitches from Orlando. (laughs) I was like, I don't even know what to do about snow. <laughs> right. I saw snow for the first time in Mongolia when I went there. Whoa. Oh, yeah, because you wouldn't have had a winter. <laughs> I never See, left. that's wild to me because I grew up in Chicago. Like, mm-hmm. we had very harsh winters. Mm-hmm. So it was my norm to have that. Um, Literally my first time. Whoa. Yeah. What a cool place to, like, see snow for the first time, though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love Mongolia. Yeah. It's super cute. I love Mongolian <laughs> beef. Oh, me too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, So So you turned that down. Yeah. Um, Well, not initially. So I was going to do a visa run and then I was actually going to go back to Mm. Malaysia. But then um, the hurricanes were happening. Hurricane Maria was like going through uh-huh. Puerto Rico and um, God, so this was Florida. so recent because in my mind I keep thinking this is like six years ago for you but it's mm-hmm. not it's I like a few really years recent. Yeah. yeah um so yeah so most people they like meet me and they're like you've only been out for like this many years right yeah because <laughs> I'm living my best gay life yes you are <laughs> always um but yeah um I came back my family was really going through a lot because okay. they didn't hear from my grandfather for about three weeks because mm-hmm. And the hurricane went through, it took out all oh, communications. Right, right. So they didn't know if my grandfather was alive, he was missing. Oh my gosh. And they're freaking out. And I'm very much a glue person in my family mm-hmm. that like kind of holds things together. Yeah, yeah. Gets them together, like things are gonna be okay because I was the Christian person as right, well. I used to right. be the person please pray for me uh-huh. for like this and this. I was like, yeah. oh, okay girl. You're <laughs> <laughs> still gonna do the same shit. Yeah. <laughs> um so I came back. Okay. And uh Everything was fine with my grandfather. We got to heard from him. His place was fine. He was fine. He was safe. And that kind of put everything at ease. Okay. But it made me realize, too, that I missed America so mm. much. And I missed my family. Um, but also, I had changed so much mm-hmm. for basically three years. Yeah. And having all those experiences. Right. I was not the same person 
that I was when I left. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I needed to give my family the opportunity to know who I am. Because mm -hmm. um, I was different. Yeah. And I had a lot I needed to process, too. So I took a couple months. Like, I got back in October 2017. Okay. Yeah. Two years ago. Yeah. And um, I processed, I think, probably from October to December of taking in the holidays. It was like my first time having Christmas and Thanksgiving all over again. Uh-huh. Um, because they didn't have that out there. Okay. And getting to be with my family for the holidays. Yeah. But then also realizing that, like, I don't want to, like, go back into, like, a church life mm -hmm. and, like... I really want to be my true self. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to live my life out as a gay man. Mm -hmm. And come the new year, because new beginnings, new year, new me. Yeah. <laughs> but literally new me. <laughs> and um, I decided that I was going to be a gay man. Okay. And I started making friends with gays in Orlando. Mm -hmm. Went out to the gay bars for the first time in Orlando. Yes. Um look for a new profession, okay. like, let them know in Malaysia that I will not be coming back, okay. I will not be doing Japan for them, but yeah. thank you for, like, everything, sure. <laughs> and uh, I was like, what should I do? I've done, like, every customer service job, minus being a flight attendant, so I applied for mm -hmm. <laughs> and got it, Great. Uh, I applied for me, and that was fabulous, and I'm like, oh, we got Happer. So, at here, we're just gonna stop saying the company... Oh, okay. Should I not? <laughs> <laughs> we just never talked about what companies we actually work for. We just say that we're flight attendants. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Brian loves to, to blurt shit out, though. <laughs> so, like, we've had so many bleeps within the history of this year that we've been podcasting, because he'll, he'll just, like, go off on a tangent, and he'll be like, well, so-and-so said, and then he's like, oh, fuck, I have to bleep that name out. Or he's like, well, uh, and then he'll say his company, oh, and he'll okay. be like, well, we do things like this there, and I was like... You just said your company name. He's like, fuck. Okay. Yeah, but it's cute. So, all right. Give so. a little bleep bleep. <laughs> <laughs> so you applied for two airlines. One of them accepted. One of them accepted me. The other one didn't. Great. And so the one that I got accepted to. We can talk shit on American. Yeah, we can. Yeah. <laughs> fuck them. Fuck them. They're lost. You hear that, Chikara? Mm -hmm. One of our good friends who's a flight attendant works for American. <laughs> Sorry about it. Sorry. Um, yeah, so got hired on. Cute. And um, when I got there, it was my first time introducing myself as a gay man. Mm. Yeah, to a crowd right, of people. Right, in a new place. Yeah, new yeah. place. Um, I kind of had lost all my other friends mm. um, from church mm -hmm. and everything when I came back. Yeah. Well, it kind of happened over time. Sure. It's like an out of sight, yeah. out of mind kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And time I and distance. That. I was like, yeah. you go move on with your lives. Like, obviously, yeah. we're not going to be talking and chatting as much. I'm not here. Mm -hmm. So it's like, Fill in the gap. Find somebody more yeah. fabulous. You won't. But <laughs> yeah. <you can't. laughs> yeah. um, and a lot of them started reaching out to me when they started like piecing things together mm. because I didn't do one of those big, I'm coming out, I'm gay. Right, right. Kind of things. It just happened yeah. and it just people found out as they found exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. It, like when I got hired for the company and I went for training, it was the first time I introduced myself as a gay man. Uh -huh. And I felt very validated by my peers um, in training. Okay. They kind of made me the peer-nominated person at the end of the experience. Mm -hmm. And 
it really meant a lot because I felt like I was still me. Mm -hmm. And you were being recognized for being you. Yeah. Being me for being gay and being me. Which is interesting though, because I I mean, I, I've known a lot of this about you since like that first time we flew together the second time yeah, when we like had a a long, deep conversation. Mm -hmm. But I guess listening back again, I'm realizing how much you actually did take consciously or subconsciously from your experience within the church Mm -hmm. as like a peer or a leader. Yeah. And you've allowed that to infiltrate the way that you still interact with others but in a very genuine way now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. All of that is still always going to be a huge part of me yeah. and who I am. Yeah. It's just not what I live by anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I have such a different mindset now. Sure. Just, like, how to be and who to be. Yeah. And I want to be the most free version of myself, mm-hmm. the most authentic version of myself. Yeah. And, yeah, like, last year was like the really huge step into doing Mm -hmm. that and the happiest I've ever been. But getting that from my peers Uh was huge. When my family came for graduation, Uh it was the first time I told them. Uh, (laughs) Like we went to dinner and then we went back to the hotel room with my sister and my mom. And I was like, hey, so I've had something that I wanted to share with you guys that I think I've always wanted to tell you for a really long time. Uh-huh. And I would feel so bad about keeping you out of this part of my life. Mm-hmm. And I think it's already something you already know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, what is it? And I was like, I'm gay. But it's confirmation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that like everybody tiptoeing around the unspoken truth anymore. Yeah. It's like, let me just put it out there for you. Yeah. So you don't have to guess and wonder. Like, it just is what it is. Yeah. Good for you. So my sister, oh, we knew. She's like, I've been waiting for you to tell me. It's like, I've seen your posts more and more. So I was about to ask you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and my mom gave me like a big hug and she cried. And, um, but those are the only two people that really mattered for and me. And this was a year ago. This was a year ago. So 26 or were you 25 still? Uh, I just turned 26 in training. Okay. Yeah. I just turned 26 in training. Man. Um, yeah. And I told them, and I was like, that's the only people that really matter. I don't yeah. really care. Yeah. But also at the same time, if they had other reactions, I also didn't care. Mm-hmm. Because I Good. was like, I'm at this point in my adulthood that I have to do what's best for me and what's going to make me happy. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I... Then moved to New York because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's where I'm based. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I've really got to live my best gay life out yeah. here. Um, you sure have. I... Let me just vouch for that. <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know him personally, he lives his best gay life, whether at work, not at work. Mm-hmm. Girl, she's gay while she asleep. Absolutely. <laughs> like, People see me down the street and it's like, oh, that's a gay. Right. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Yes, air conditioning. Yes, air conditioning. Yes, girl. <laughs> I want to see you. Uh huh. Yes. So, yeah, if you ever want to walk down the street with me, just know that people will know. People will know people that I'm gay. Yeah. They're like, oh, look at this faggot walking around. Like, can I say faggot on here? Come on, faggot. <laughs> yes, you can. Um, yes. So, that is is my story. I love it. That is me. You really are like a testament to 
growth and evolution within a person. Mm. And I think that that's what I have like come to love and respect about you where I know like you and I can shoot the shit back and forth and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you come from this background of such like culture and life education, Mm. you know? Um, And that is what changes a person. Yeah. You know, we can go to, 22 different schools in our lifetime or, you know, however many, but it's not the classroom work that changes somebody as a human. It's traveling for three years Mm -hmm. to foreign countries that we're so unfamiliar with and and that takes us outside of our comfort zone. Um, so I'm happy that you were able to share that with everybody here. Yeah, absolutely. Like my thing is like, I just, I understand not everyone has the same experiences Uh that I have. Um, and when I meet people now, like, I try to see them more for who they are mm-hmm. and understand that, like, they're a completely different person. Yeah. They are not going to have my same mindset and mentalities in life. Right. Um, but, like, I've changed and I am who I am mm-hmm. because of everything that I've gone through yeah. and all my experiences. Mm-hmm. And that is why I'm able to live so freely now. Right. And it's taken a long time to get to here. Yeah, but you made it. Yeah, and I'm here. I'm uh-huh. queer. And get used to get it. Get used to it. And if you're not, girl, bye. bye. <laughs> girl, bye. I don't have time for it. And on that... super into play glasses <laughs> i love them i look so good in them everybody compliments them they eat it up she loves a compliment she loves a compliment um i actually bought them for barcelona because i was like i don't wear jewelry like i mm-hmm. i look at jewelry and i'm kind of like that's cute but it's yeah. it's just nothing that i would ever buy but mm-hmm. um i remembered wearing it's in my facebook profile photo from literally two and a half years ago but um i was wearing these glasses that a friend had and they were also play glasses like from the same company that i bought mine from zenny z-e-n-n-i you can sponsor (laughs) us if you want um but i i i remember thinking like i could wear a cute pair of glasses on a night out and like that have that be my accessory or my jewelry if you will yeah um, so before I went to Barcelona, I was like, let me get a couple pair of glasses. And <laughs> I paid a little more than I should have cause they're not real. Um, but I love them. I think they're so fun. <laughs> I love that you call them play glasses. They are play glasses. Like they're literally dress up. <laughs> yeah. That's what I, that's what I yeah. me think of. Cause I was like, these are just fake glasses. <laughs> yeah. Fake. And my friend just found out the other night that they were fake cause he put them on for a second. He's like, I wonder if these would look cute on me. And he put them on and then he like, he like pulled them off his face and looked through the lenses and he's like. You bitch! These aren't even real! And I was like, no! <laughs> They're for dress-up. Um, so my end season is maybe not even play glasses, but accessorizing. Mm, yeah. I, I love a good accessory. Love a good accessory. I'm all about accessorizing. Yeah. Um, so what is your end season? My end season, because it's spooky ookie season. Yes, yeah, spooky ookie. Spooky ookie is my Halloween costume. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. So I was like, I'm gonna sex it up this year. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> cock destroyer. Cock destroyer. They're starting in a gay porn now. Oh yes, I saw that. <laughs> we'll, we'll tune in. <laughs> right, we I, sure will. Yeah, we'll need to see this. Yeah. Um. 
They but, also have um, shirts that say Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. One of them was just here. She was just at the Shut gate bars. Yeah, more MILF, that one. <laughs> if you guys don't know what we're referencing, look up Cock Destroyers online. Mm-hmm. It's these two, they're British, right? Yeah. Porn stars who are just like wild and out. Women. women. They're actual women, yeah. Yes. Um, and they're wild and out. They're blonde, like big, big tits. Yeah. Big, like, big lips. <laughs> and they're like, destroy us. Gonna all this cum. Yeah. Destroy us. Like, <laughs> like they're on the thing. But of course, the gays. The gays eat them up. The gays are so messy. Yeah. And we just, love our cock destroyers, mm-hmm. though. But yes, we do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. So, wait, what were you saying? Oh, Halloween. Yes. So you're just like going to go wild It's going to be Halloween this year. Halloween. Yeah. And just last year, I did like a cute, it was like a half prince, half princess all the way down. Cute. Yes. It was very mind fucked because I turned one way, turned the other way, and everyone was like, oh girl. Yes. Wow. And guy. (laughs) (laughs) But this time, I was like, I want to live my mean girl's fantasy Mm -hmm. and dress like a little hoe for (laughs) Halloween, and I'm doing my take on a French maid. Mm, and so it's going to be very androgynous, just flipping back and forth on a guy and a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got, I've been buying all the different pieces for it. I've got my leather heels that I'm going to yes. be wearing with like the sexy, uh, like lingerie stockings that go up and cuff right around like the thigh. <laughs> the thigh. I have the garter link that hooks up to like the panty yes. that's underneath. You better panty it up. Yeah, it's lace, girl. <laughs> but I gotta, I gotta be careful. Like my whole dick is just gonna be out. It's like it's very. It's. <laughs> it's it's hung, very what? It's hung in there, <laughs> very loosely by uh-huh. the, this thong. And it's so sexy. Oh my gosh. And so I got a pleated <laughs> leather skirt, um, like a mini skirt that I functioned. And then I've got a body corset that I'll be wearing. And with this white sheer shirt that has these little buttons. You went all out. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. And I've got the little white, like French made apron that goes over yes. like the skirt. Yeah. Um, you know, the funny thing is like listening to all of this, I'm like, see if I invested in a Halloween costume like that, like... Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be a waste of money because the costume would, like, look great. Yeah. But I'm like, I wouldn't wear any of this again. But I know you will find another use for each and every one of these pieces. Oh, absolutely. Even, literally, even if it's to walk to your bodega. Oh, yes. No, just, <laughs> just, just a little get up to go to the bodega. Just a little bodega get up. <laughs> just gonna buy some chips. Yeah. <laughs> get some bread. You would. And I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite um, thing that I bought for it, though, uh-huh. is um, I got this stuff called Face Lace. Uh-huh. So for those of you that have watched the show Euphoria on YouTube, <laughs> go stream now. That's like your other end so season I'm, is Euphoria. I, oh, obsessed. So I'm so obsessed. Music's by Labyrinth. Uh, Labyrinth does, is incredible. He's done music so brilliantly yeah. on this show. And then Zendaya, she kills it in yeah. this. And I was like, oh, I like you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I'm... She cute. Yeah, she cute. I didn't yeah. think, like, her music was that great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, her acting in this mm-hmm. is phenomenal. But what I've loved on the show is they work a lot with this kind of, like, face accessories, which I think is actually going to be a huge trend. It's, like, now going to be the future with makeup. Okay. Where it's kind of like these stickers that you put on your face. Uh-huh. But... They're like metallic or they're lace. Yeah. 
And it puts this kind of whole illusion around your eyes. And it's very cool. It's just okay. very, like, out there. Is it expensive? It's very queer. Um, it is. Okay. So I bought two packs, and it cost me probably around $50. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But it's because it's from London right now. Okay. So I bought well, it in pounds. And it's intense. Like, you wore those mm-hmm. last night. Yeah. Your, like, your iridescent ones. Mm-hmm. And, like, watching you try to get them off, like... It looked like you used eyelash glue to, like, hold it down. Yeah. Because, like, peeling it off, you could see your skin, like, peeling... Not peeling off with it, but, but it like... like stuck. Yes, it was stuck on mm-hmm. there. And you can use that again. Yeah, it's reusable. Great. Um, So, it's definitely worth, like, the investment if that's something that you want to, like, yeah. explore. But I'm very much exploring into different accessories. Mm-hmm. And I think it will be something that's coming soon that everyone will be doing. All right, face lace. Face lace. I love it. Boots. Well, um... <laughs> Thank you again for being here yes. and sharing that whole story and that whole... I love that journey for you. I so, did love the journey coming to Australia, <laughs> but... <laughs> but worth it because you got to share that with everybody. Yes. Um, so thank you. Thank you to all of you listening. Mm-hmm. Um, please, 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 please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Yes. Um, spread the word like wildfire. Absolutely. Like the Chinese yeah. orphanage. It's all hearsay. We need, we we need that good spread word. <laughs> Not the Chinese orphanage. Yes, I was like, girl. she got with that? <laughs> and I was like, yes, I spoke about the Chinese orphanage. <laughs> um, but yeah, it it always means a lot to us to see that people are still tuning in and listening. Yeah. Um, also, uh, you can always email us at fruitsnackspod at gmail and you can follow us at fruitsnackspod on Instagram. You can follow Carlos at... Yes, you can follow me at Los, L-O-S, underscore life, L-I-F-E. Yes. And, yeah, feel free to message me if you want to know more about any of my story. I My profile is not private, so... Love that. <laughs> um, yes, love that, but we are private on our Instagram. Or, mm-hmm. sorry, we're not private, but if you are private, if your profile is, and you tag us in something, we cannot repost it. Mm. So uh, make sure you make that post public or your profile. Um, with that said, we will talk to you guys next week. Yes. Bye. Bye.